Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Well, good morning. I hope that you are having a great day. Maybe it's good evening for you, but it's morning where I am. It's a very dreary and rainy morning in Huntsville, Alabama. But I'm looking out my window and I'm seeing the green. I'm seeing green and, oh, I wish I knew the name of that beautiful red flower out there. It used to just have one bloom right on the top, but now there are four of them and they open up in the daytime and then they close up at night. My brother in the flesh gave me that for Christmas one year and it makes me really happy every single end of April, 1st of May. And I'm very... um thankful to God for the rain that we're getting outside. Even though it's dark and dreary, I'm looking at red flowers and yellow flowers and green ivy growing up the side of the house. And God is on his throne and he is the beneficent God that makes sure that we have everything we need and so much more, even beautiful things that we don't need, but we enjoy. God is good. We're going to talk today a little bit as we close our study on the comfort of prayer from the book of Jonah. And you might think that, well, that's a strange place to go when you're talking about comfort in prayer. But I was listening earlier in the week to a lesson by my friend Kathy Pollard from 2019, Polishing the Pulpit. And she brought to my attention some, a couple of things that just made me want to go back and read Jonah. And so I I have gone back and looked at Jonah, and I want us to notice a couple of things about prayer from the book of Jonah, and the digabits and the audio, the video podcast will be yours for this month, and we'll move next month into month nine. And you know, I looked at that last night, what that is about, but I've forgotten now, but we're moving into month nine, so we'll get ready to to do our one, two, three, go for month nine. And I think that's on Monday. I believe Sunday is the last day of this month. So let's look at Jonah just for a minute. And let's begin in chapter one. And it begins by saying, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So it doesn't begin with prayer. It begins with God talking to Jonah rather than Jonah talking to God. That's the way our lives should always be is that we are busy listening to God before talking to God. And he gave Jonah a direct command to go get on a ship and go to to um, Nineveh. And it's important that we note that Nineveh was the chief city of the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were the gravest enemies, the worst enemies, the awful enemies of God's people at this time. And... So Jonah was told to go up to the the capital, the chief city of Assyria and cry out against it. Well, that was an intimidating command for Jonah. And as you remember, Jonah went another way. He got on a ship and went to Tarshish and it says he was trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. I think he knew better than to think that he could flee from the presence of the Lord. But I think it's very interesting what happens next and the effect that it had on the non-believers. The Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, a mighty tempest, so that they were cast here and there. And they knew that they were going to lose their wares that were in the ship and they were throwing them out over the side. 
But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he was fast asleep. That's just amazing to me. That he was in um, a profound, in-your-face disobedience to God and yet he was okay with going to sleep in the midst of the biggest storm that was threatening their very lives. Sometimes we can get so obstinate with God and so far away with God that we can get comfortable living away from him and surely Jonah had done that at this time and then the men began to ask Jonah questions what is your occupation where you come from and what's your country and of whose people are you and he said I'm a Hebrew and I and he was using this statement rather loosely I think and I fear the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land and then the men were afraid and they said well why have you done this for the men knew already that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He got on the ship and boldly said, I'm running from the very God I fear. He wasn't trying to make a good impression to these heathen men um, in, the, um, in the name of God. He wasn't trying to um, mold them into a belief in Jehovah. He just said, I'm running away from God. He had told them that. That's pretty bold to go and tell people, I am, I do fear the Lord, but I'm disobeying Him. I've decided I'm not going to live my life for Him, and I am living in bold disrespect for Him. But that's what He had told them. And then they said, well, what are we going to do so that the sea can be calm to us? It says, the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And He said, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea then be calm to you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest has come upon you. It's my fault that this storm is happening because I've obeyed God. And they tried their best to row it to land. And then, oh, verse 14. This is so powerful. Wherefore they, the heathen men, cried to the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beg you, let us not die for this man's sake. And don't put upon us the innocent blood, for you, Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into to the sea, and the sea stopped raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Here, Jonah, because of this predicament he was in, in saying, I'm serving the Lord, but at the same time out of the other side of his mouth saying, I am blatantly disrespecting the command of the Lord. These heathen men saw the power of the Lord on that account. And notice the first people who prayed in the book of Jonah. It wasn't the people of God. It was heathen people crying out to God and saying, Oh Lord, we beg you, we beg you. Let us not perish for this man's life, and don't lay upon us the innocent blood, for you have done as it pleased you. They begged God. They were the first people who offered prayer to God. Sometimes, my point is, that we as God's people can act in such a way that the people around us just have to circumvent us. They just have to walk around our behavior in order to get to God because we're not leading them to God. But God still can provide for those people who are searching for Him ways for them to find Him. Even when we, you know, I often say it this way, we can be a part of God's plan and receive the blessings 
or we can oppose God and God's plan is still a happening thing. God doesn't need us to fulfill his plan. God could have used Jonah in a powerful way had he been obeying him at this point in his life. But still, Jonah's presence was used providentially by God to show these heathen men the power of Jehovah God. And notice verse 16, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. We see them praying for the second time already in at the end of chapter 1 of the book of Jonah. Jonah, the man who was supposed to be praying, was intent on not praying, but disobeying. And even in that situation, God could use his obstinance, his lack of prayer to influence others to be believers. And that's exactly what happened in the first chapter of Jonah. Can God use our lives, even if we're rebelling against him? Can God use evil in our lives to influence other people for good? Well, I believe so. And I believe this is a great example of that. So the first people to pray in the book of Jonah was not Jonah. It was not any Israelite. It was these men on the boat who asked after the God of Jonah. And then chapter 2, verse 1. Well, let's, let's look at the end of chapter 1. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. I'm taking this to mean, I've, I've looked to see if I could find other commentary in other places of, of the Bible about this, but I'm taking this to mean, from what I can see, that Jonah waited until he had been in the fish for the better part of those three days before crying out to God. This is delayed prayer. You know, I think if I had been cast into the sea and been in the shape that Jonah's about to describe to God, I think I would have cried out to God a long time before I'd been in the belly of the fish for three days. Well, we're not going to talk right now about um, could this have been a literal account. Of course it was a literal account. And of course God can do anything that he wants to do. Those people who argue against the uh, veracity of the fish swallowing Jonah and him surviving for three days just really... Um, they can excite my ilk pretty quickly because how can those people believe that the Son of God was in the belly of the earth for three days and came forth living and yet deny that what we read about in the book of Jonah could have happened? Of course it could have happened, and of course it did happen. But Jonah was there for three days, and then, the Bible says, he prayed to the Lord his God, out of the fish's belly, a delayed prayer that should have been offered much earlier. Are you doing that in your life? Are you putting off reaping the benefits of the power of prayer? I don't want to do that. I want to pray while there is time to be a praying woman all of my life because the effectual fervent prayers of righteous women avail much and I don't want to wait to start availing until I'm 80 years old. I want it to be availing in the lives in my life, the life of my those who live in my home, my husband, my children, my grandchildren. I want it to be availing all the days of my life. 
So Jonah prayed and he said, I cried by reason of my affliction to the Lord and he heard me. Out of the belly of Sheol, the grave, I cried and he heard my voice. You had cast me into the, to the deep in the middle of the seas and the floods had compassed me about and all your billows and all your waves were passing over me. And then I said, I'm cast out of your sight. Here's the turning point. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. That means I'm going to, I'm going to repent. I'm going to obey. I'm going to seek your ways. The waters compass me about even to the soul. The depth of the sea closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Can you just, I just want you to picture yourself in that situation. And I went down to the bottoms of the mountains and the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet you brought me up. You brought my life up from corruption. O Lord, my God. And when my soul fainted inside of me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came into you into your holy temple they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy but i will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving i will pay that that i vowed salvation is of the lord and you know that jonah right now is getting ready to be vomited out of the mouth of the fish because god did hear his prayer it's not until he's delayed that prayer and then he finally offers that prayer in complete submission. I think it's interesting that he says, I'm, I'm turning toward your holy temple. And then um, toward the end of the prayer, he says, um, my prayer came into you, into your holy temple. You remember that holy temple in Jerusalem was where the presence of God rested between the cherubims on the Ark of the Covenant. And, and here Jonah is observing that. He is saying, I turn to you, to your holy temple, and he is saying, I am ready to observe your commands, whatever they might be for me. Jonah didn't want to go. He, he didn't want to go to Assyria, and we're going to see that borne out later. But he took, at least at this triumphant moment in his life, he turned to God in full submission and said, I'm ready to do your will. And it was only then, I'm just going to say in regard to our study that we're doing this month it was only then full submission full fully submissive penitent prayer is where the comfort is that's where god's comfort resides so we have other people praying and believing because of the obstinance of jonah then we have delayed prayer in chapter 2 verse 1 and then we have the prayer of humility and submission and I wish that Jonah had been able to just keep that prayer going, but he didn't. He had a second prayer over in chapter 4. He went, he preached to the people of Nineveh. God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. They repented. Uh, he repented of the evil that he said he would do, and he didn't do that evil because those people prayed. Those people cried mightily to God. I love the fact that in chapter 3 we learn that the prayers of those people outside the covenant can avail. 
I think that's what happened in the case of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He wasn't in a covenant relationship with God. He was a Gentile outside of the Jewish covenant even. But the gospel was presented to him. And he it says there that he was a man of prayer. Along with um, financial sacrifice, almsgiving. He was a righteous man. And God heard his prayer even his prayer of searching for Christianity before he became a Christian. Here are these people of Nineveh who are enemies of the people of God. But the king repents in sackcloth and ashes. And he says, let every man and even their donkeys, even their beasts were covered with sackcloth. And he said, we're going to cry mightily to God. I love the fact there that we have Jonah's prayer inside the fish is sandwiched in between the prayers of two groups of former unbelievers. that The men on the ship, they didn't come into that ship believing. The men of Nineveh, they certainly were living wicked lives and, and were non-believers. But on sandwiched on the, on the sides of the prayer of Jonah from the fish are two more very important prayers that were delivered to the throne by people who were former non-believers. God is using Jonah here to bring non-believers to a point of trusting in God. God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said he would do. Chapter 4, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. It made Jonah mad that these people repented. Oh, let us not ever get to a point where we hate someone so badly for the evil that's been done that we just can't stand to see them prosper in repentance before the Lord. Sometimes that can happen. I've seen that happen, and I pray that it doesn't happen very often. But sometimes when people wrong us, people do us a great deal of harm. But then they repent before God and God just goes on and blesses them. Sometimes our attitude can be, well, what is it, Lord? Like the elder brother, I've been serving you this whole time. How come the good things are happening to the one who walked away from you? May that not be our stance in prayer before God. But that was Jonah's stance in prayer. Verse 2 of chapter 4, he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord. Wasn't this my saying when I was yet in my country? But yet I went before to Tarshish. But I knew you were gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and you repented of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, just take my life for me, for it's better for me to die than to live. He said, I ran away from you, God. I think he was thinking, you know, God, I was in the belly of the fish for three days. You're not even making the Ninevites be punished for their sins. You're forgiving them. And they are the enemies of your people. He was angry and he said, God, just let me die. Well, we go to some people in the New Testament who sinned greatly against Jesus the Christ at the end of his life, Peter and Judas. And which one of them said, Lord, just let me die. Took his life in complete disobedience to God without turning to Jesus. Oh, he cried. He was sorrowful. But he didn't make his actions right. 
and took his own life. And Jonah is at that point at the end of this book, not at the point where Peter was when he was running to the tomb. You know, there was another person, just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. Jesus was in the tomb for three days. The devil had rolled a rock over that tomb, but that rock was no match for the power of God. And that's the case in the story of Jonah too. He has that fish spit Jonah out and gives Jonah a second chance. Jonah goes to do the will of the Lord, but he can't stay the course. He is upset because of the forgiving power of the Lord God in the case of the Ninevites. So you remember what happened after Jonah prayed that? He went outside the city, sitting on the east side of the city, made him a booth, sat under it in the shadow, and the Lord made a gourd. And Jonah was glad about the gourd. Jonah's kind of wishy-washy in this book. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And when the sun rose up, the east wind came, the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, he fainted, and again he wished to die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. And God said, are you angry about the gourd? And he said, yes, and I deserve to be angry even unto death. Then the Lord said, you had pity on the gourd for the which you didn't labor. You didn't, you didn't work to make that gourd. You didn't make it grow. And it came up in a night and it perished in a night. And should I not have pity on Nineveh, that great city? Wherein are more than six score thousand persons. Six score is 120. So there were, were 120,000 people that couldn't discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. A lot of people think the 120,000 there refers to children, innocent children. Whatever it was, God said, I want to save these people. And, and Jonah, it's not your business when I want to do good. Who are you? You were the one who ran away from me. You were the one who had to be in the belly of the fish to learn to trust me. And here these people, this great city, have turned to me and you want them to perish. Prayer in the book of Jonah is pretty powerful. First prayer offered by unbelievers on the ship. Influenced by Jonah, but offered by unbelievers. Second prayer was greatly delayed, but it was the prayer of submission and trust by Jonah that caused that fish to open up his mouth and spit him out. Then the second prayer, the, the well, the third prayer, of the book is in chapter four, when the Ninevites cried out to God and said, God, please, please save us. And then in chapter four is Jonah's second prayer when he cried out to God in anger and said to God, Oh Lord, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? So I ran away to Tarshish and I know your mercy. And I know your grace, and I know your kindness, and I didn't want it to be offered to Nineveh. Now take my life for me, because it's better for me to die than to live. Boy, Jonah was overstepping it way in a big way here in his last prayer, getting into the territory that belongs to God. And then let's close with chapter 4, verse 9. God said to Jonah, 
Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said again to God, this is his last prayer, I do well to be angry even unto death. His last prayer that we have recorded was an argument with God. We don't have a recording of Jonah being penitent in this chapter, but we have a, a picture of God's mercy at the end of this chapter that could have forgiven Jonah if he turned to God in penitence. The comforting prayer in this, in this passage, there are two of them. The first comforting prayer is Jonah in the fish when he said, I'm going to turn to your temple, your holy temple, and I'm going to do your will. There's comfort in that. The second prayer is the same. The people of Nineveh begged God, we're going to do your will. We repent in sackcloth and ashes. And there was great comfort and salvation for the people of God. Let us be the people who in our prayers constantly show God that we are humbly submissive to his will, always turning toward his holy temple, which is today, his new Jerusalem, the church, the salvation that we have in his son. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great day.